Hi, and welcome to We Can Be Real. I started this podcast because nothing makes me happier than connecting with people that I know and love and getting to share experiences and insights with people that I'm meeting here for the very first time. I'll share my own stories and invite guests to join me in conversations that will hopefully make us laugh, make us feel seen and understood, and will come away with more knowledge and information that can help us in one way or another. Here we go. Hi, and welcome to We Can Be Real. Today, I am super, super fortunate. I have one of my closest, dearest friends, Lori Bader, on, and she just got back from Israel. She was there over the weekend. Lori has been involved in Jewish causes for 20 years, and she's influenced me in a lot of ways. My daughter did a semester in Israel abroad, and Lori has really turned me on to giving and how important it is. So Lori is going to say hi, and then uh, we'll go from there. So Lori. Hi, and thank you so much for having me on today. My pleasure. It started this morning. So I'm a big believer in if you're going to be on social media to either promote your business or show beautiful pictures of your children, grandchildren, your vacations, whatever it is that you show, you also need to, for me, and I think this is important, and I I don't like to be judgmental, but I do judge this, that if you're going to use this platform that we have to promote things that are important to you, Israel and what is happening as human suffering is important to me. And as a Jewish woman, I will post every day along with my business and other things, I will post something about Judaism and what this means. So I called Lori today and I said, Lori, I want to post something. Can you inform me? Because she is my most well-informed Jewish friend that I have and has been a wonderful influence on me and my family. And I had a lot of questions for her. And as I'm asking the questions, I thought, this is so silly. I'm posting, I'm dropping an episode about the Golden Bachelor on Thursday. When this is going on, that feels so ridiculous. And I will still post it next Thursday. But Lori said, maybe you want to postpone that because it does seem so not in line with what's going on. And I said, you know what, Laura, would you talk to us live today? And I'll do that on Thursday. And she happily said yes. So that's how that happened. And so thank you, Lori, for coming on today. Right. So that's exactly what happened. I felt that um, there were some really important things that need to be said. And I'd like to share my experience, what happened to me in Israel over the weekend and I think everybody should know what's going on and know that they can have a part in uh, doing something. Everybody can do something. If only become informed, write a letter to Congress, give some money. There's always something that you could do. So I, I thought it was really important that we take this opportunity, since you have a platform, to um, kind of spread the word. Before we're done taping today, I want to hear about your experience. And we will give a list. Lori will share with us the things that we can do. Everyone can do something. If it's giving a dollar, it doesn't matter. Everyone can do something and Lori will help us understand what we can do from here. Also, some people just need to be informed about what's happening. A lot of people just really have no idea. The Middle East is very complicated. There are people on the uh, other side who have different opinions about the whole conflict. So I think it is important that people just become informed, like any issue that affects them. And it does. It, this affects everyone. Where do you want me to start? You, as, as a true Zionist, and you are, how many times have you been to Israel? So yes, I am a proud Zionist. And this was my 13th trip to Israel. It was also the shortest because I was there for under 36 hours. So my daughter, Emily, and I went to Israel this weekend. We got there Friday. 
Uh, we went for a joyous occasion of her, one of her dear and best friend, uh, Rachel Glazer's wedding. That was the occasion. And the wedding was supposed to be tonight, but it was re-envisioned. It did happen in a small ceremony in a different venue. But that's where we were going for the wedding. So Emily and I arrived on uh, Friday morning to a beautiful, normal day in Tel Aviv. We sat at the beach for two hours at a restaurant and just enjoyed the glory of the Mediterranean and the beach scene in Tel Aviv and uh, the beauty and the enthusiasm and, and the uh, energy of Tel Aviv. That was our day. And then we had Shabbat dinner at her friend Rachel's apartment that night. Saturday morning, we were woken up to sirens in the streets and an announcement on the PA at, I think you call it that, the, the speaker in, in the hotel, we're at the Sheraton. Everyone get to the safe room. Alarm, 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 go to the safe room. And we knew that uh, every floor in the hotel has uh, what they call a safe room, which is like a bomb shelter, but it's uh, like a reinforced steel room. So we were pretty nonchalant. We brushed our teeth. We kind of got dressed. What time of day? It was 7.30 in the morning. Okay. And we uh, wandered down the hall to find the safe room. And we were there for a minute, and then there was an all clear. I know that in uh, Tel Aviv, occasionally there's a, a, a random rocket and people do have to go to a safe room. We didn't take it that seriously. We put on the news. At that point already, Hamas had invaded. And Netanyahu, I think, had declared war. So that we knew that something serious was going on. Uh, we went to breakfast and there was another alarm during breakfast. A couple of hours later, we went to the safe room again. At that point, we still weren't that concerned because we were in a hotel. We felt safe. And we were there for the wedding, and we hoped that things would clear up. As the day progressed on Saturday, things got worse and worse in terms of the news and what was being reported. We knew that there were hostages. We knew that there were infiltrations. We knew soldiers were killed. We knew that things were really, really bad. And we started thinking if we should leave. And we had terribly conflicted feelings about whether we should leave or not. After all, we had gone for a wedding, and we didn't know if we'd get out. We heard that the uh, flights were being canceled. As the day progressed it became clear that things were getting worse and worse and people were advising us to leave. Uh, my husband was nervous. Emily's husband was nervous. Our Israeli friends were saying you should leave. We didn't know if we could get out. By the evening, there were three more alarms. Three more times we were in the safe room. Once Emily was in the room and I was in the lobby and we were in different safe rooms. Oh, I didn't know that. She was nervous about that. I didn't really feel in any danger, and I was nervous about how we would get out. When you were going to the safe room and everyone was going to the safe rooms, was there a feeling of panic? It sounds like it was kind of calm. It is kind of calm. We felt safe in the safe rooms. We knew that Israel has the Iron Dome system, which destroys missiles in the air as they're shot out from Gaza or wherever. Some got through. Some get through mostly they don't. It's it's a very successful system, and we felt very well protected. And we knew that the Israeli army had gone towards Gaza now, and we figured that Tel Aviv itself would be kind of safe. Maybe we were naive. I, I don't know. But by the evening, there were three more attacks and three more safe rooms. And by 10 o'clock, we had booked tickets before we go further with the story and your feelings around it, I, I do want to, when I said this to you today, and I know you very well, and I said, was it a dilemma about leaving? You said it was. And what were the things that you thought about? Can you share with what you went through your mind? A lot of different emotions went through our minds. We had made a lot of effort to go there. 
besides the expense, we went for the wedding. We wanted to be there to celebrate. I felt like I should stay out of solidarity with Israelis. After all, I can leave and they can't. So in the safety of my hotel, why couldn't I stick it out for a few days? But what was I going to do there? I wasn't helping them to stay there. Our families were worried. Israeli friends were telling us to leave. One Israeli friend texted me whose wife is in the army. He wrote, please do not leave the hotel for any reason, even to go to a store. Well, there weren't any stores open. And that made me nervous. So people saying to leave. So we had really conflicting emotions. We thought maybe we could stick it out a few days and then get out. But ultimately, it was the right decision to leave. Good. I'm glad. I couldn't believe you were able to get a ticket and get out. So we, our original United flight was for Tuesday night. There was nothing on United. We, there was nothing. Flights were canceled. There were no seats. So we just booked a random British Air flight that got us to London. And we figured if we get out anywhere in Europe, then we'll get a flight home. Like at that point, it didn't even matter. We just bought new tickets and said we would figure it out when we left Tel Aviv. So there was a um, an airport departure board in our hotel that showed like real-time cancellations. And there was just like everything canceled, 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 canceled. We had to leave the hotel at 3.30 in the morning, pitch black. It was kind of terrifying, to be honest, knowing that there was still Hamas terrorists that were floating around somewhere. And we didn't know when we got to the airport if our flight would even be leaving. But we did get to the airport. There was wow. The plane was there at the gate, which was a relief. Uh, an hour later, the crew showed up. Even driving, just let's get back to the visual for a minute. You're driving in the pitch black at 3.30 in the morning with your daughter and you had a cab driver? How did you get, how, who took you there? So, well, you know, it wasn't an armored vehicle, obviously. Right. So you were really exposed at that point. Yes, exactly. So what was scary about it was if there was going to be a siren on the way to the airport, I didn't know what we would do. I've seen videos where they pull over to the side of the road and you crouch under a car until it right. passes. But when the cab drove up and I had ordered it through the hotel, so the guy at the front desk introduced me to the cab driver and I felt safe. The cab driver spoke Hebrew. He was on the phone and uh, his everything was in Hebrew. So I felt a little bit better. But I have to admit that my imagination ran wild to think that maybe he was a Hamas imposter who was going to kidnap us. Oh, God. I was nervous. And the airport's a half hour away. And I kept looking to see which direction he was going to make sure he was taking us to the airport. So that was terrifying. Plus, not knowing when we got there if our flight was going to leave or not. I feel very lucky that it all worked. It was like a miracle to me that we got out on that flight. I don't know what other people are doing, how they're getting out, if they are. Wow. I can't even imagine what that was like. And, you know, I I made a joke with you when you were there. You called me from Israel, and I sort of made a little bit of a bad joke. But I said, well, you always wanted to be Israeli. And now you really, unfortunately, you you live through or must have been a terrifying, I can't imagine how scary that must have been. Right. I I did always want to be an Israeli, and now I experience this, but the difference between me and every other Israeli is that they have to stay there. They live there. This is their life, and obviously in the South, it's it's much worse, but you can't meet an Israeli without hearing a story about someone they know that was killed in a war. Their lives are so different, and you know, because you've been there, the people are incredibly happy and wonderful and welcoming, and that's why I love going there so much. But the lives that they lead and the fears that they must take with them day to day, it's impossible for us to understand what that feels like. And especially in the South, where they've been bombarded with rockets for 15 years, 
The Israelis left Gaza in about 2005. They said to Gaza, here, take it back. We don't want it. And all they got in return since 2005 has been rockets and death. I I just can't imagine living like that. And knowing that your kid is going to possibly go to a war. I mean, we are so immune to that. We don't know what that feels like. You probably won't have the answers to this, but you might. You speak to a lot of people. You you know, you know speak to you know, politicians in one way or another. And people are saying this and buzzing about this. As a, as a non-military person, what, how do you think this happened, Lori? How did this happen with Israeli, you know, the best defense in, in, the, in the world? Right. The strongest military in the world after us, I think. I, I don't know. I think it's a catastrophic failure of security on many, many levels. And there will be investigations for years to come. The border was not well defended. The kibbutzim were not well defended. The settlements were not well defended. I don't know what happened. And I don't think anybody knows. So we will have to wait and see. Right. So do you think that there was a lapse or that it has never been as defended as it should have been? Or, or something actually happened different than in the past? Like all the other years, everyone talked about how Israel is so safe because of this safeguard and this safeguard. Do you think that they found a way in? No, I think that they got a bulldozer and they bulldozed through the security fence. Right. But why this year? Why not last year? Why did something, was there a breach in some way? And I know you don't know, we're speculating, but I, I wonder why was it different this time than it was six months ago, a year ago? Because they would have tried this before, I'm sure. Right. I don't have the answer to that. I only know that it was probably very well planned. They had help from Iran. There's no question. They can't do it alone. And why they picked this time is a whole political thing. I think it had to do with the divisions in Israel, the protests. They felt that Israel was not as unified, was weaker. Maybe they were afraid of the Saudi peace deal. There might be a lot of reasons why they chose now, but how they managed to do it so successfully is beyond my understanding at this point. You know, so I said for me, what I know that I can do is have someone like you on to remind us and tell us. What do you think? And I know you're, you've are you always been someone, you protest, and then you once said to me, I don't even know if it does any good. And I know you get frustrated for people that do nothing. And complacency is not going to happen for me and my family. What can we do? I agree. Complacency and apathy are unacceptable. Anybody should care, whether you're Jewish or not. You should care about what goes on in Israel. It's important because the people there just want to live in peace. And it's the Jewish homeland. It's the only place that's been safe for Jews to go to from around the world and originally from Europe and and Arab countries when they got kicked out of everywhere else. So it's important that Israelis be able to live in peace, and that's all they've ever wanted. So complacency should not be an option or apathy. So people can do very little, but they could do something. They can send a letter to their congressperson saying, please support Israel. And I even posted a link today on Facebook on my page. It takes a minute. You don't even have to know who your congressperson is. I'll have notes at the end of the show. Obviously, I always do with your information. But while people are listening right this minute, tell us your social, where they can find you because you have a link. It's very easy to click. Right. So just Lori Bader on Facebook. L-A-U-R-I, and Bader is B-A-D-E-R, and she's on Facebook. Yeah, it's Lori Cohen Bader on Facebook. So there's a link to send a letter to your congressperson, and Congress is overwhelmingly supportive of Israel, so people should do that. What will that letter do, Lori? It will reinforce 
to every congressperson how important it is to support Israel and to help them in any way possible, uh, whether that's money or weapons or support. Uh, like the Biden administration just sent uh, ships, naval ships to the Mediterranean today off the coast of Lebanon as a demonstration of a sh- uh, it's a show of force. And that's what Congress can be aligned with the administration to show their support for Israel. That's a very important thing. Perfect. So we're on. Okay, what else can we do? People can send money. There are different organizations that can help. I'm very active with my Jewish Federation, and that's the Jewish Federation of Northern New Jersey. Every federation is doing this. They're collecting money that will go directly to help communities in need, whether it's counseling for grieving families, for supplies for soldiers, rescue and relief centers. Our federation, for example, has a sister city, Naharia, in the north of Israel that just lost two soldiers at least, and they have kids from that community that are missing. So there are there are grieving communities everywhere that need help. So the federations are collecting money to do that, and that's one thing. So people can Google. People can Google their local Jewish federation. Correct. There's also Friends of the IDF, which uh, raises money. People are familiar with that, I think, and they do things to help soldiers. That's their only uh, mission. There is Magen David Adom, which is the ambulance service in Israel. And I could spell that out for you if, if you don't I was just going to say, please spell it. And IDF stands for? Israeli Defense Forces. Thank you. Magen, M-A-A-G-E-N, David, okay. David Adom, A-D-O-M. That's the ambulance service. People are donating blood and supplies. There are thousands of people that are injured and there will continue to be injuries. I mean, if there's a ground assault in Gaza, then there will be many, many soldiers injured. Everybody will need help. So those are four wonderful things. And also another one to add is on your social media, if you are active and this is important to you, say something. I know that it's so important for us to watch. Listen, what we're seeing on the news, it's keeping people up at night. It's making us physically ill. But if we don't watch and we don't look, they're living it. We have to. You can't ignore. You you have to watch. And it's it's so sickening. I feel like it's our responsibility to watch. And I agree with you. I think we owe it to the Israelis. They live there. They have to go through this. Uh, we don't have to. We're in the comfort of our homes. But out of respect for what they go to, because they're protecting the Jewish homeland, those kids, those boys and girls that are 18 and 20 that are going into Gaza shortly, that are defending our homeland, they deserve the respect of us sending our help and showing our support for them and our prayers and whatever we could do to help them. I feel really strongly. I I know you do, Lori. And that's why it was so perfect. Before I was going to post a little... My post this morning, I said, please call me. I want to talk to you about, you know, Israel. And I wanted to to understand and I wanted to say the right thing and direct people in the right way. And I knew that, you know, I had you as my, as my go-to source always mm-hmm. when I have a question about anything, politics. You know, people say, what do you think about that? I'm like, I don't know. I have to consult with Lori, which sounds so terrible, but, but I don't know that much. And you know so much and I, I value your opinion and, and how active you are. So how are you spending your time? So I know it's hard for you to compartmentalize. So you're here safe in your home, as you said. I know you just got back and people are reaching out, but how involved or not involved are you now while you're home? So I'm not even home for 24 hours. And since then, basically, my phone is blowing up with people that are asking how it went and what was my experience like. 
I'm still processing and I'm trying not to watch the news because it's heartbreaking to me what happened. I'm doing a little bit of reading. I read a piece this morning by Dan Gordis, who's one of my favorite uh, writers and journalists. And he called this, he said this started as a pogrom. And it's true that the Hamas militants, terrorists, went door to door, killing men, women, and children, babies, setting homes on fire, and just basically brutalizing people who were innocent. And that's a pogrom. And, and it was done simply because they're Jewish. So what I will continue to do is spread the word, tell my story. I'm going to read stuff. It'll probably make me more and more upset. But I am involved with APAC. We have a meeting this week with Senator Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota. And it'll be a packed room for people from the city and to show a senator who has practically no Jewish constituency how important Israel is to us and why we support Israel so much. And she's an Israel supporter, but just saying people could do like, that's a lot, (laughs) but people could do something as simple as, as contacting their congressperson. I don't expect most people to do everything. This is what I've chosen to do. And, and I don't know what the next few days will bring. And I also uh, volunteer for VFI, people know as SARL, which is an army program. It's a volunteer program. I don't know if you, you remember, I did this. I do. Six, seven years ago, I volunteered on an army base with some friends. And so now I'm a volunteer recruiter for them. And since I'm back, I have like 85 emails from people through the website. What should I do? I want to volunteer. So I'm answering all those and telling people what they have to do to volunteer. That's what's going to keep me busy. Right now, there's nothing else more important to me. Yeah, no, I know that. And you're doing everything. And I so appreciate you. I knew you didn't even take a minute. I mean, I knew when I said to you, Lord, you want to come on. I know that this is important to you. And I feel like everyone listening to this is going to want to do something. I want to say one other thing, because I'm sure you have people listening who say, but what about the Palestinians? And what about the way Israel treats them? Like there are people in Manhattan right now or yesterday that had a pro-Palestinian rally. So to that, I would just say, that things are very complicated over there. It's not black and white. And people need to be educated to the facts. Go read a book. There are a lot of different ways of educating yourself about the reality of the Middle East, especially since 1948 when Israel became a state, and how the day they became a state, they were invaded by like eight surrounding countries who never would accept peace. So it's very complicated. Don't assume that because it looks a certain way that it is. There's no apartheid there. There's no systemic abuse of civil rights. If Israel could have peace tomorrow, a safe peace, they would have a safe peace. And that's all they've ever wanted. So when you hear people saying, oh, of course, Gaza's rising up, you know, look how they've been treated. There's no excuse for brutality and murder of civilians and the way that they've been attacking Israel for years and years. There's no excuse. I don't care. It's not morally equivalent that they don't like their government and they've been treated. Maybe they've been treated badly. There's no moral equivalent. If you want to declare war, go fight the soldiers. Don't kill innocent people. So that's what I would say to them. You go to the rallies. Is that safe? To be in New York and go to a rally almost feels like I'd be exposing myself to haters. Well, there was a rally in Times Square a couple of years ago, and there were some Palestinians that beat up some uh, guys in uh, 
yarmulkes. So is it safe? There's a big police presence. I wouldn't not go because of that. I think I'll trust the police. Maybe that sounds naive, but I wouldn't not go for that reason. Okay. You wouldn't let it stop you? No. Okay. I'll think about it. You're a little braver than I am. And you're a real true Zionist. I'm just a Jewish lady that loves Israel. Yes, I do. I love Israel. And I hope that they can get through this without much more loss of life. That's the best that you can hope for right now. But this will have a devastating impact on people for many years to come. It's a generational devastation. Of course. Well, Laura, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I think you've you've educated and enlightened anybody that's listening. I hope so. You did. You did. So thank you. And thank you, listeners. I hope you do one or many of the things that Lori suggested. I'm certainly going to. Thanks, Laura. And everybody, um, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Ellen. If you like what you're hearing and would like to work with me, you can reach out through DM or email at ellengschweitzer at gmail.com. Unlike many coaches, I don't have packages that I sell and people have to commit to three months of working with me. My feeling is people come session at a time. If you're finding value in our sessions and want to keep coming back, then you do. I help people with loneliness, developing healthy habits, self-esteem, and grief, or anything else that makes us human. Again, you can reach me through DM or at lngschweitzer at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to We Can Be Real. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would be so happy and appreciative if you would leave a review wherever you listen. Like and follow the show and share it with someone that you think would enjoy it too. To learn more about the podcast and about me, find me on Instagram at ellenschweitzer underscore lifecoach or my website, ellenschweitzer.com. See you next week.